Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. I, I look at these times and I, and I say to myself, all right, we are where we are. Now, where are the opportunities and how do we dig ourselves out of this hole? So I'm trying to, you know, it's aligning with the right partners to, to get to the next levels. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post has launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday, and it's packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. You can sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you check it out. We all do it. We look at someone else's restaurant in awe, wondering how did they get that custom shoe deal or those lines out the door? When does a restaurant transcend food and beverage and become an idea? John Seymour of Sweet Chick seems to have cracked that code. Today, we discuss how to build a brand, culture, and community. We also discuss how those efforts translate into survival in tough times like these. We begin today's conversation focused on what matters most, the communities we serve. Um, I mean, from the beginning um, is where I'd say, you know, the first year of opening the first, you know, we had one restaurant, the, the, the original restaurant was in Williamsburg. So to your, you know, to your point of, of in dense neighborhoods and, and whatnot, and especially creating community, I had lived in that neighborhood now for, I don't know, I've been there already for 10 years or so. I had already had a previous business in the neighborhood, um, and I'm from New York City originally. I'm from Manhattan, um, so obviously this is my community. So for me, that was kind of some of it, somewhat of an easy part, uh, breaking into the business in New York uh, in the sense where I knew my community, I knew where I was opening, I knew some of the people around there. But um, the idea was really to bring people together and, and create a spot where the neighborhood could enjoy it, but people from outside the neighborhood still might want to come to this. Um, and for that first year was the first time I really saw from our hospitality side what 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 we were about, right? So when people would leave, and, and, and again, when you talk about reflections, I mean, it comes from, again, my father was the, the hospitality side, I think, that I gained. My fa- everybody knew my father and the neighbors, bartender, Marty, everybody knew him. And when people were coming into my restaurant, I was very much a social person with them and also making sure that they're taken care of um, and still holding that standard. And when people would leave, I would in early, I would just be at the door opening it. Like no, you know, nobody would know I'm the owner, actually. It's not like I was trying to be the owner. I'm just trying to open right. the door to make sure and just say, have a good night. And uh people would just say about our staff or like, oh man, I want to be best friends with your staff. Oh man, you guys are this place is so much fun. And I, after I, I kept hearing that so many times, 
um, I just started to think like, I was like, that's not normal. Like I don't go to restaurants and constantly walk out of them saying, I want to be friends with your staff or we had yeah. so much fun. It was such a great time. And you can see it in, in, in the way people said it. So I knew that at that point we had something special, right? So I thought that our hospitality style and the way we were doing it was special, which would then lead on to like, you know, that, that was kind of a building block. Um, the first year we did a, um, you know, I'm a pretty aggressive dude, I guess, by nature, I'm starting to, to realize. And, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a year yet and I didn't know the restaurant was successful, but I was already making phone calls in the city to get the second space. And I found a spot. It was an old bar called Max Fish. And at the one year anniversary um, of Sweet Chick, I was like, wow, we're here. It's one year. It's a full service restaurant. And I had never opened a full service restaurant with a cocktail program. It's working and it seems like people are really enjoying it. Um, I was already ready for the next one. And um, we did a one-year anniversary party at Sweet Chick, and I had Raekwon, who's a member of Wu Tang Clan, and you know one of uh, my one of my favorite artists of all time. I reached out to his cousin, and somehow there was a network. You know, we knew somebody, and he came through, and I surprised everybody. And his nickname is uh, and Wu Tang is the chef. So, you know, I, me knowing that, of course, and our kind of customer base knowing that, we invited like people who had supported us from day one. And just friends and family, whatnot. And I had Raekwon come in through the kitchen, and everybody's having a great time. And I came out, I was like, yo, chef has a couple of words. And then Raekwon came out and performed. And it was just like a, you know, I hadn't seen that really done too much and or ever, I don't know, and at the time. And it just was a, you know, the neighborhood the next day was was kind of alive. Like we run it, oh man, you see people, oh, that was so much fun. And we were like, wow, man, you know, we're capable of doing more than just being a restaurant and doing some things. So that led us into like seeing that, like, hey, look, we can do more than just, you know, put food on a plate, give good customer service, you know. And, and again, as a reflection, when you discuss it, it's because that's stuff that I find to be fun. Why not? We're celebrating something. Let's have fun with the people that work with us. That's why, you know, we've always done, uh, you know, our, our uh, you know, our, our block parties that we do and, and different things with our with our um employees you know parties in the park and bowling parties and stuff we've been doing that for years and that's really just creating community within our own community and making sure that you know our staff knows that they're our first priority in, at times you know um so you know there's little things like that and then so we started doing more events and things where we would throw our own parties but then we tied it to different things whether it be a merchandise collab so we did a sneaker with fila or um you know little different types of collabs and reasons to have little fun and parties and kind of like, you know, create more, more experience around the brand and bring people together for other reasons than just eating food. Of course, anytime we throw a party, you know, there's fried chicken and waffles and, um, and it's going to be a good time. So you're definitely going to get fed, but, um, you know, it's just been consistent things like that, thinking outside of the box, um, and, and figuring out how we can establish ourselves differently, not comparing ourselves to other companies that it may be similar or doing things and just being us. And, um, you know, we have a little saying on our wall, you can't see it here, but it just says sweet chick life and underneath it just says do dope shit. Right. So it's like, how can we do things that are fun, but that can also elevate the brand, not cost a lot of money, use our leverage, our, our relationships, our networks, bring people together. Um, and you know, that's we've been able to kind of accomplish that pretty consistently man and, and that's something i think that's separated us from a lot of other people oh, i couldn't agree with you more and you brought up yeah. something that i want to highlight because i think it's really important is 
the authenticity that comes from like doing dope shit because that is defined by you. I, uh, I owned a bar in Hollywood for like 10 years and it was the most popular bar in Hollywood. And, and the reason it was successful was because I am an incredibly ordinary man. And so what I like, everybody likes, right? And so I just, I, I just- mean, You have to know, you have to know, you have to be able to put yourself into their, into a customer's shoes or sure. your guest shoes to know, there you go. What so would blow my mind? There you go. Oh, was I wildly popular? No, man, I'm the difference. No, so I'm saying the rest. I'm saying the restaurant was wild. I mean, the, the bar. Oh, was wild huge, popular, so. absolutely, so for yeah. sure. But it's just because yeah. you know, if if you serve food and beverage for a living, and, and that's what so many other people do, how do you differentiate yeah. yourself? And it was about yeah. how do you become inspiring? How do you create yep. a community that, that not only serves the existing community, but creates something that other people want to buy into, that they want to be a part of, that they want to wear yep. your T-shirts and your yep. hats and, you yep. know, going to your restaurant or going to your bar says something about who you are as a person. Agreed. And, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it has to start, like you said, it has to start from somewhere, right? So. It's, it, sometimes it can be difficult for us to put ourselves in that position and say, oh, yeah, it's a reflection of us or, or whatnot. And people have told me that before, you know, and that's typical of businesses. And I see other places, usually it's a founder, CEO, whoever's running it. And it's like, yo, look, if it's running into the ground, maybe the person at the top is not doing something that, you know, that's aligned with what the brand should be doing at the moment. And that should be examined, you know. So it's interesting, man. Well, there's also this fine line between serving your your patrons and then serving yourself through your patrons, right? It's the difference between doing something I think is cool versus doing something that I think is cool for them, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Because if it, it, and that's I think that's where people can get. Um, and my my take from it always was. Like whenever we do stuff, and this is actually, it, it, it's funny when you say that, it makes me think of it and my reaction to when these things happen. I know it's a success when I look around and people are like, oh man, sure, that was fun for me. But I'm also, I'm always saying, what's next? Right. right? This is my business, right? I, you know, uh, I don't necessarily uh, have a, you know, oh, we had a fun event or we did something or we crushed a goal or whatever it is. We opened our store. We opened three in one year. Awesome. What's next? Yeah. What, what can we fix? How can we be, how can we be better? Um, so I'm not as concerned with the feelings of when those things happen for myself. Like you said, it's, it's more about what it's the team, how the team feels, the team that's actually helping us put this all together um, and the customer, the guest. It's like, look, if they were like, wow, that was awesome. That's it doesn't matter how I made me feel. Um, and then, you know, if you can do that over and over again with a customer, I mean, that's the magic, you know? And I'm sure everybody listening right time. now, I'm sure everybody listening right now is tracking back like five minutes where you're talking about the collab with Fila and they're like, wait, yeah. what? Um, you've done a bunch of crazy collabs with like what? Yeah. Vans, Stance. Yeah, we did a Vans, Stance. Uh, Randy yeah. Donuts. Yeah, bricks like, and wood. How? My boy Tate. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch. It's a whole yeah, there's a bunch. And we have more that we're working on at the moment. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, like, how does all of that come about? What's the vision behind I'll, that? A lot what of that a, a lot of that is relationships. From from here, from from so for me, um, 
you know, to date, I mean, I've never used a marketing company. Um, you know, it's all been very much in house. Uh, we run all our social, I literally run all our social. Like it's, um, it's not a, we don't outsource too much. Um, you know, I, I definitely have plans and plan to scale the brand as we, as we, you know, move towards the future, but, um, and plans to bring some people in, but that stuff has all really been very organic through like networks and, and, and just people that we know people within the company know they come through and we have a conversation and, and it just pans out. Um, and that's not something that we're very active either with. Um, I think we probably will be more so even in the future. Um, you know, we, the restaurant is what we do, you know? Um, and when we do get opportunities to do fun things, especially with there with friends and people that we know, um, that's always great. Um, and, and it's another way for us to build our brand. I mean, it's just an organic way to build the brand, you, you know, for example, you know, the, the, uh, the Vans collab, you know, uh, that happened and we had a partnership and Foot Locker was involved and Vans was involved and there was a little bit of a budget. So we, let's throw a party. Why not? That was awesome. And it turned out <laughs> better than expected. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, and then, and then the memory of it was wow man and and again it's like people that are close to the brand participate in that too it's not a you know not always a private event you know like we kind of try to keep everybody inclusive um in these types of things so you talk about plans a lot how did the pandemic adjust <laughs> the plans that you had for 2020 and for 2021 right wow the restaurant business huh yeah and every right. other business as well so uh yeah i mean for us we have a quick service model uh, called Little Sweet Chick that we have at City Field, um, where the Mets play. Um, we're also planning to open uh, in Dodger Stadium um, this spring. We were actually planning to open this year, and COVID stopped that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of in the pipe. And then, um, so with those, you know, quick service models that we've been kind of testing, uh, very limited menu stuff. It's been going very well for us, and something we wanted to explore more. Um, so for us, you know, COVID hits, uh, New York City is speci- is especially rocked right early. Um, I personally, uh, my whole, my, myself and my family also had COVID in March um, oh as this was going on. Um, and that, that was right around the time where we shut down the restaurant. So, <clears throat> you know, we were able to stay open uh, indoor dining or no indoor dining, takeout only. Um, so we attempted to do that with our menu that, you know, the previous menu we've been working with, you know, pro service menu. And it just was getting so risky and the news was crazy. And I w- went into the store and I talked to one of, the, one of the bartenders and she was saying how she was bringing food home for her, um, for her grandfather. And I was like, oh, you probably shouldn't be doing that because we're not supposed to, you know, that was very early. Right. And right. I realized she was like, oh, I live with him. And I was like, oh, wow. And I said, look, all these people tra- traveling right now. And I was like, this is not going the right direction. And, you know, everything that the, all the everything was pointing towards like full closure anyway. And it was just about to happen. Um, so we shut down right before the government, the Cuomo shut us down probably like a few days before I was just like, you know what, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was three months. Right. So it was uh, stressful to say the least, um, you know, landlords, there's a lot of stuff that nobody else cares about that we got to deal with and, um, you know, figuring out how do we keep all of these locations open? What is, what is this? Five locations, 250 employees. How does this work? Um, and as you know, the restaurants are not designed or set up to be uh, stopped. You know, right. it's not a, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not a business that you just stop a lot. Like, like many businesses, you don't just stop it. And, 
when that happens, it's like a train wreck. Um, so for us, it was, you know, interesting. I looked at it and I said, all right, we got the green light to go open again. I believe it was, uh, okay, you can do, you can do, uh, take out and, and take out only. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. Maybe this is our opportunity to test the quick service model, the little switching model, um, out of the window because we had folding windows. So I said, all right, mm-hmm. cool. So I called, uh, um, my analyst and, and <laughs> I was like, I got some plywood coming over, help me. And uh, so we built a little wall and we kind of made a, a mini little sweet chick and opened the windows and started selling the sandwiches, you know, the, the, the little sweet chick sandwiches, we, we, which we don't have on the sweet chick menu. I brought in some other help and we kind of designed this, this, this kind of, uh, this menu to fit the times essentially would mm-hmm. allow me to, I couldn't, hi, I couldn't hire anybody to come back to work. Right. Everybody's on unemployment and stimulus. And, no, and also it's, Corona time. I mean, it's, you know, it's scary. Nobody wants to come back to work. Right. So I couldn't even hire back. I couldn't even hire back people. So now I, I have, I don't have enough people to, to do the old model. So now I'm like, all right, cool. Look, let's do this little switching model. It makes sense. We can, we can employ the people that need to be employed because, you know, I, I, I can't necessarily speak to, to everybody's situation. You know, I don't know everybody's situation, but I do know that some people wanted to really want it to work. And I wanted to make sure that I could put those people to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that I felt was important. And that was probably the motivating factor to even do it um, when I think back on it now. But um, but also I said, okay, cool. But also at the same time, now I have an opportunity to test this model. So we opened it, built out of projections. Okay, cool. If we open these stores and do, the, do it like this and, and open them consecutively, we have the manpower to do this, even though we're doing it all ourselves and screwing the things in at the time. And, um, you know, and, and, and for us, luckily we beat, I mean, Look, we put the projections together under the rest. And uh, for us, we've been able to beat those projections and work off of a completely different business model than we ever had. Uh, and, and even in these times, be able to kind of show um, some success, uh, you know, and, and it's been an interesting time for me. So, you know, we're trying to refine the model and see how we kind of come out of this, you know. And, and, and to me, it's, it's an opportunity that I see. I know there's a lot of opportunity in real estate and there will be in a lot of business opportunities. So, you know, I'm trying to, uh, I, I look at these times and I, and I say to myself, all right, we are where we are. Now, where are the opportunities and how do we dig ourselves out of this hole? So I'm trying to, you know, it's aligning with the right partners to, to get to the next levels. Um, and that's really, it's a, it's a patient process, but, but um, and restructuring the company to be even more efficient than it ever was. So I took, it's like, take this time now to look back on what we've done look at our mistakes or things that we could have changed, but we didn't change. Let's change those things now. And let's, you know, become a more efficient, well-oiled machine. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm very proud of the team, I guess, is, what I, is really what I have to say that, that we've been able to accomplish it. Well, it'll be interesting to see so what far. sticks, right? Like it's yeah. yep. in terms of I mean, indoor you know, dining, indoor dining is, is, I mean, people are going to are craving it. I'm sure, you know, I can't well, I'm sure. But it's also very laborious, right? It requires yes. a lot of people to do indoor dining. And if you're pushing fried chicken sandwiches out of a window, that requires one person with one arm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is... Yes. That, I, I, know, I noticed that pretty quickly. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this, uh, right. this could work. Right? We're not, we're, we're not yes. making as much money, but we're making more money. And, and so, you know, there, there's something to be said for the, these improved yeah. margins. And, and like, so have I, you... I, yeah, have you and thought about I would that? say that sometimes uh, 
Oh, 100%. I thought about that because I saw it, you know, I, I saw it pretty quickly. I mean, well, I mean, you know, we knew for us and we, I was trying to, you know, kind of, we had the, 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 the unit at city field and, you know, I saw that this is, this thing makes sense and this is something that could work, but to, to get the opportunity to test it um, is expensive. Right. Yeah. When you think about it, right. Oh, go prove the model. You know, that's what somebody will say. Go prove the model, right? Yeah. And okay, so to prove the model, we have to open up a store for a million dollars. But if I can just put up some plywood and prove the model out of the window, that's interesting. And then if we can actually build it out a little bit better and prove it a little bit better, and then those sales you talk about actually match up to the old sales, that starts to get interesting, man. It's a, it's, it's definitely a major business move, and and, and we'll see how the future of dining goes and and what the appetite for investment in the in the in the restaurant space is going to be like, you know I mean? That's the, it's all, it's, it's essentially a, a new world, you know, that we're kind of stepping into when it comes to the restaurant industry. Sure. Things will come back to normal, but there's probably some patterns that will stay. Um, and if we can pick up on those, we'll just be a little bit more ahead. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it, I guess. Well, and some of those patterns are thought patterns, right? We're asking ourselves different yes. questions. Like, does it, does it require a million dollars to open a restaurant? I mean, it did before. Well, yeah, that exactly. was, it doesn't, yeah, no. but, well, we but can like modular units and, yeah, you know, you know, or for like a little sweet chick, can I do it for 400,000? Can I do it for 200,000? You know? Well, that's the, that's when you start to learn if you can actually scale it. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so yeah. it's, you know, we're able to offset all, all of the struggle and all of the misery by focusing on all of the opportunity that's ahead of us. Because yep. I, I think there's been this exponential leap forward for restaurateurs in terms of thought process, asking questions that we might have been afraid to ask before or unwilling to yeah. ask before, right? Or, not, you know, and so, yeah, exactly. And like the time, man. I mean, if, 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 you know, look, for us, a closure in anything or stoppage in something allows you time to, to, to for hindsight, right? You can look back mm-hmm. and say, okay, cool. What were we doing that, that really worked well? What were we doing that, that worked well but could work better? Right? Right. It's always like that. I mean, I, I personally, I'm like that constantly. But everything in my life at times, I'm like, how can we do this better? I mean, that's, you know, fun. You know, so it's the same thing with the business. And, and when you get the time and allow, you know, to, to actually stop and say, wow, okay, cool. I see, you know, how we can we move forward. And for us, we were also kind of forced into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing was that the biggest thing for me was like, oh, my God, nobody wants to work. Yeah. Like once we were, I was like, oh, actually, oh, yeah, no one wants to work. Everybody's chilling right now because they got stimulus checks and unemployment. Yeah. Hey, I don't blame them. And there's COVID and hey, there's also that, you know, but, you know, some some people needed to work. Um, So it was interesting, man. I mean, we've never, we've never had to deal with this, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of new for everybody. How they want it's going to be interesting to hear how everybody actually had to get through these, a lot of these businesses. I agree, man. You also use this as an opportunity to live your values and to build community. Talk to me about your commitment to Everybody Eats. Talk to me about the community fridge program. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, look, we, once after we opened again, you know, uh, obviously, you know, if you read the paper, there's stories about New York being dead. There's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people just shut off everything else that's going on and, and they're just living their own lives. But um, I realized that this, you know, there's a need, for, and there's a big homeless issue at the moment in New York. And a lot of it isn't because of drugs and 
an alcohol or, or mental issues. A lot of it is people that are displaced and a lot of bad situations. Um, so uh, one of my uh, one of my actual partners in the business, a guy named Mel Carter, um, he had reached out to me. Was like, you know, every year on his mother's birthday, he likes to buy. He, you know, he wants to do something, and he was like, "Yo, can I buy some sandwiches?" And I said, "Well, hold that." I said, "Why don't we actually put something in place and let's do something so that we're not just doing like, you know, a bunch of sandwiches here and there." Um, and I reached out to a guy that used to run a youth organization um, in my neighborhood. He used to kind of like run, you know, work at the the kid, like the, the youth sports stuff. But he's been, you know, he won like New Yorker of the Week there like a few years ago. And um, he's been doing this. This is stuff that he does. You know, he's out there and he's, you know, he's, he's a saint for what he does. So I tapped into him and said, hey, look, can you help me with this? I can do uh, 150 meals a week. Um, let's start doing something where you come and, and you guys, he has a little team and let's start getting it into the rotation. So that was easy. So now we've been doing that probably like, I don't even know, 18 weeks now probably. And, and now we're doing like a, a clothing drive alongside of that. Um, another friend of mine, power uh, Malu was doing a lot of community activism stuff is was supporting. Um, he's involved in the community fridge that was in the, they had one in the Bronx and in uh, Queensbridge. And, you know, we went out there with, um, and fed the workers and stuff like that. And, uh, we fed the poll people, you know, people at the polls, the volunteers and polls. We donated a bunch to Rock Nation and people that reached out to us. And, you know, we're just doing it because I'm just doing it because, look, man, we have the capability to do it. And, and, and for the bigger purpose of the Everybody Eats program and why I kind of dubbed it that was I wanted to make something, something actually official so that we can look back at this now and say, okay, cool, this Everybody Eats program is going to be a part of what we do in our business moving forward. We have some other plans um, as well. And we like to get involved with some, some other areas with children and do some music stuff. And we have some ideas cooking, but um, you know, as we build and scale our business, as we're planning to do, um, you know, I'm not planning to stay at five restaurants forever. And, and I, I definitely see a hole in the market for us. Um, so I'm gonna take it, but um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for us to give back alongside that as we grow our business and find ways to give back in our community because, you know, it's, if you have the means to do it, like I went out with this guy, Noel, who's been doing this every week. I went out last week for Thanksgiving and I was with him and it's very rough out there in the streets, but you know, it's difficult for somebody, for, not for somebody like me, for anybody to commit to doing that once a week, especially with everything else they have going on in their lives. So what I can do is try to set up a vehicle to get that started. And then as we grow our business, we can add more pieces to that and just do it. And it's just a piece of our business. And it's something that is just ingrained in us, which should hopefully make people that work for us feel better, um, people that eat our food feel better and know. And it doesn't have to be a big point of what it is we do. But just as a company, it's something now that I think we just want to be committed to and aligned with. It's super um, inspiring, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's also, you know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's a, a gut feeling, but it is inspiring and it's inspiring for our, our people working with us, right? So like, you know, every week, the guys that are making those meals, they know where those are going, you know, and mm -hmm. they know the people that are cooking, picking it up. And that's the company thing there now. And it's like, hey, man, um, and, and I've reached out, uh, you know, trying to figure it out. It's funny, like, just little things. I've never set up a 501-3CK, whatever it's called, the, the <laughs> charity company. I called yeah. a lawyer about it. They were like, oh, you're better off doing it later. It's going to cost 25000 to set up. And I'm like, geez, I'm like 25000 to set it up or whatever. I'm like, I could spend that doing something else. It's like, we'll mm -hmm. get to it and we'll set it up properly because people are hitting me up to give me cash donations. And, it, and it's like, 
I appreciate that, but we're going to build this and make this thing actually like a real, a real, real thing. So it, instead of, you know, starting on the wrong foot, let's just get it done correctly and build it properly. And that's kind that sounds of a good. side project for us. Yeah. That's great, man. Yes, that's it. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to talk to the audience. Do you have any words okay. of advice or encouragement you'd like to share? Um, well, since it's an industry podcast, I think if we have time, I'll, I'll say what I say to most people. I was told not to open a restaurant. Um, I asked somebody and they were like, don't do it. And I took offense to that and I went and did it. Um, I would say to people, and I always say to people, I'm like, look, man, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult business. Um, you know, I think the media has made it a little bit more glamorous than it probably is um, in, in real life, but it's very rewarding. Um, and then just uh, advice to them for the future. I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's, I think this, the COVID has, has, uh, has changed the game for a lot of people in the sense that, sure, that we discussed quick service is going to be, um, is going to be a big part of the future. It already has been. It's probably already um, advanced faster than it would have because of this. But people are going to be going back out to eat. And once this comes, you know, hopefully we all come out of this and, and we can start going back to some sort of normalcy and feel as if we can be in close proximity to people. But when the, and when it does come back, um, I think it's going to be such an opportunity for great, like new restaurant owners and chefs to come to the table with like fresh ideas and a, and a, almost like an opportunity for a new way of indoor dining, not in respect to like, uh, you know, COVID uh, restrictions or anything in the sense of like, it's, it's, it's going to be a new opportunity to welcome people back into spaces and you should take that. And, and, and you're going to be able to on a business side, if you do it well in the beginning, you'll be able to capitalize it and you'll probably be able to capture all of those people. Um, and, you know, as many people say, people have their routines and if you're in their routine as they come back and you've treated them well with open arms and, and done everything you needed to do and took a fresh perspective on it understanding that maybe some people aren't so comfortable when they come in there's little things you know and uh, i think uh, there's going to be a lot of great restaurants opening the next like two years and i can't wait to eat at them so I mean, if they're a listener hopefully it's their restaurant <laughs> that's john seymour of sweet chick check out John's latest initiatives, go to sweetchick.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to 